What is up, everybody? It's JT Sports, and I'm back to you guys with episode 8 of the JT Sports Podcast. On this episode of the JT Sports Podcast, I'm going to be telling you guys what you guys can expect from new Broncos officer coordinator Pat Shermer, what are the expectations for new Dallas Cowboys head coach Mike McCarthy, don't sleep on the Miami Dolphins, why the Patriots will win the AFC East this season, and can Joe Burrow turn around the Cincinnati Bengals, and do the Tampa Bay Buccaneers have the next Taysom Hill? So make sure that you guys go ahead to leave a five-star review on this podcast. Doesn't matter if you're watching this on Apple Podcasts, Spotify Podcasts, wherever you watch your podcast, go ahead and leave a five-star review. Also make sure, if you're listening to this on the audio version, that you guys go ahead and subscribe to my YouTube channel, which is JT Sports. Also make sure to follow me on all my social media platforms. My Instagram and my Twitter is both JT Sports underscore. Once again, my Instagram and my Twitter is both JT Sports underscore. So let's get into the show. So with the ongoing pandemic that's going on, the NFL has given players the opportunity to choose to decide if they want to opt out of the upcoming NFL season, choosing not to play due to concerns with the ongoing pandemic that's going on. And the New England Patriots have had a lot of key players decide to opt out and not participate in this upcoming year's NFL season. Guys like linebacker Dante Hightower and safety Patrick Chung. And a lot of people keep asking me, JT, do you still believe that the New England Patriots are going to win the AFC East despite all of the key players that they lost in the offseason to free agency and despite all the players that have chose to opt out of this upcoming year's NFL season? And I still believe that the New England Patriots are going to win the AFC East. And a lot of people keep saying that the Buffalo Bills are going to win the AFC East and I don't know what I'm talking about because the Buffalo Bills have the most talented roster and the most talented team in the AFC East. And I'm here to tell you guys that the team that is going to be the most successful this season is not going to be the team that has the most talent. You want to know why? Because this is a unique and awkward offseason. This isn't your traditional offseason when you have uh, OTAs and you have minicamp. This is a short offseason. Teams are going to be implementing new systems and you're going to be implementing players into new offenses all basically during training camp and no preseason. These teams aren't going to have no games that they can just, you know, play a drive or two and get the chemistry down packed and kind of get back into the rhythm of playing football. Teams aren't going to have that anymore. Training camp is going to have full padded practices starting August 17th. And the NFL season is slated to kick off September 10th. So the team that is going to have the most success to start out the NFL season come the first couple of weeks isn't going to be the team that has the most talent. It's going to be the team that is going to have the best coaching staff. It's going to be the team that is going to have the coaching staff that's going to be able to have their team more prepared and better ready come week one of the NFL season. And one of those teams without a doubt is going to be Bill Belichick and the New England Patriots. Because what does Bill Belichick do better than any other coach in the NFL? He prepares better and he game plans better than any other coach in the NFL. That's why the New England Patriots have been the best dynasty, not only in the NFL, but have been one of the best dynasties in sports. Because they out-prepare and they out-coach their opponents. And when you have a short off-season like this, it's going to come down to 
preparation. It's not going to come down to talent because a lot of teams are going to start out the season cold and they're going to start out the season rusty. So it's going to come down to which team is going to be better prepared and more ready come week one. And Bill Belichick has built his basically his whole entire NFL career based on being more prepared than his opponent. You see, what makes Batman so hard to beat? Batman has no superpowers. And a DC Universe with gods like Superman and Wonder Woman, these basically immortal gods, Batman is still able to go toe-to-toe with. You want to know why? Because Batman is always one step ahead of his opponent. If you give Batman time to prepare, he has a good chance to win any fight because of preparation. That's what separates Batman and makes Batman so hard to beat despite the fact that he has no powers. He's just a guy who is really smart, has a lot of money, and is really skilled at hand-to-hand combat with a lot of weapons. When you look at Bill Belichick, there's no better coach in the NFL that is better equipped to handle a short offseason than Bill Belichick. No other coach in the NFL is better prepared to handle this ongoing pandemic and this short training camp and offseason than the New England Patriots. And I promise you, the first few weeks of the NFL season, we're going to see the teams that are actually really well coached versus the teams that have a lot of talent but aren't really well coached. You see, it's a reason why a lot of people during this ongoing pandemic have been losing money. But despite that, Jeff Bezos has became the richest man in the world. This man has became the richest man in the world during a pandemic. Basically, nearly everything has been shut down. And despite that, Jeff Jeff Bezos, the owner of Amazon, has became the richest man alive. You want to know why? Because of preparation and strategy. Not because he has the best staff around him, even though he probably does. Not because he has the best company or anything like that. But because of preparation and strategy. And that's what you have to look at when it comes to the New England Patriots. No other team is better equipped to handle offseason like the one we're having right now than the New England Patriots. And I know the Buffalo Bills have a better team, but they don't have the better coaching staff than the New England Patriots. And that's what this NFL season is going to come down to. It's going to come to which team is going to be better prepared come week one. Because all these teams are going to be rusty. The question is, who's going to be more disciplined and who's going to be more ready come week one when we really strap up the pads? And with Father Dowd in my head, I believe that that team is going to be the New England Patriots. Now, if this was, if this was a normal or normal typical offseason and we had your OTAs, your minicamp and training camp started on time, then I most likely would probably would choose the Buffalo Bills to win the division. But since this is an unusual offseason and not having a lot of time to prepare, it's going to come down to the team that is going to be more ready to play week one than their opponent. Which team is going to be more disciplined? Which team is going to have all of the costly penalties and all of the costly turnovers that you get from not playing football for a long period of time? And that team is going to be the New England Patriots. That's what Bill Belichick is probably going to be preparing his play, his players and his team to do better than any other team. You see, football 
isn't all about talent. Football is a game about attention to details. It's about discipline. It's about strategy. But a lot of you guys just look at teams and you think a team is going to be great just because of how good of a team they have. Talent is just a small part of football. You got to have a team that is well coached. You can have a talented team and still miss the playoffs. Did you not see the Dallas Cowboys? Did you not see the Cleveland Browns? They had some of the best rosters in the NFL in 2019, but they missed the playoffs because they had bad coaching. You see, coaching matters in the NFL. You see, it's a reason why the games are not played on paper and why the games are actually played. A lot of you guys are counting out the New England Patriots because you don't think they have a great roster. And I'm here to tell you that it doesn't matter how good of a roster you have if you don't have a great coach. If you have a great coach, having a great coaching staff that can make adjustments and that can be prepared in a, situa- in a situation like this matters more than talent. I promise you, it's going to be a lot of teams come the midway point of the NFL season that you're going to be like, how the heck are they as bad as they are with all the talent that they have? And you want to know why? The answer to that is going to be because they weren't prepared. They didn't have a good coach that was good enough to get them prepared for a situation like this. Versus New England having Bill Belichick and having guys like Josh McDaniels and having one of the best coaching staffs and not the best coaching staff in the NFL is going to be the reason why the New England Patriots are going to win this division. Now, the Buffalo Bills have a really good team. Sean McDermott is also a very good coach in his own right, but he's not the best coach in NFL history and Bill Belichick. Bill Belichick is going to have his team more prepared come week one to play come this season than the Buffalo Bills. And that's no knock against the Buffalo Bills at all. That's no knock against Sean McDermott. That's just being honest. That's just pure facts. Bill Belichick is going to be more prepared to play this season than the Buffalo Bills. That's what Bill Belichick has used to separate himself from the rest of the NFL. Bill Belichick doesn't care about having the best offense in the NFL. He doesn't care about having the talented players at every skill position. He doesn't care about having the best at every position. Bill Belichick cares about beating you with the small things. That's discipline, not turning the football over, and not committing a lot of penalties. You're going to have a lot of teams that come out shaky, having a lot of penalties, turn the ball over a lot, but you're going to have the New England Patriots winning games, winning this division, because they were more prepared given the situation that's going on with a short off season. So you ask me, which team is going to have the best chance of success? The team that's going to have a lot of talent, but is going to have a lot of chemistry, or the team that's going to have a great coaching staff, despite not having a lot of talent, but they're going to be more prepared than the majority of their opponents when the NFL season kicks off September 10th. That team is going to be the New England Patriots. And that's why I believe the New England Patriots will win the AFC East this upcoming season. A lot of you guys are just being like, you're just looking at something from a narrow perspective. You have to look at everything that's going on. Stop looking at the roster. Stop looking at the stats. Stop looking at all this other bull crap and look at the situation. Look at the situation. Look at the other factors that's weighing into this NFL season. Which team is going to be more prepared come week one? Do you think the Buffalo Bills, even though they have a better roster, but don't have the better coaching staff than the New England Patriots? Do, who do you think is going to be better? The team that has a lot of talent or the team that has the better coaching staff that knows how to prepare, that knows how to get their guys ready come week one? So if I'm wrong, I'm wrong. But I really think that the New England Patriots are going to win 
the AFC East this year. This offseason is tilted in their favor because of what they do best. That is prepare, strategize, and game plan. The New England Patriots, in a situation when you only have basically like a few weeks, a month to prepare, they're going to come out on top and they're going to surprise a lot of people with how good they're going to be. Despite not having a lot of star players on their roster. And the reason why is going to be because of coaching. Bill Belichick is the best coach in the NFL equipped to handle a situation like this. If there wasn't another coach in the NFL that was more equipped to handle a short and off season, it would be Bill Belichick and the New England Patriots franchise. It's a reason why the New England Patriots have become not only the best dynasty and the best franchise in the NFL, but one of the best franchises in sports. They win games not because of talent, because they out-prepare and they out-coach and they're more disciplined than their opponents. What can Denver Broncos fans expect from new offensive coordinator Pat Shermer? Now, Pat Shermer is one of the best offensive coordinators in the NFL. Now, Pat Shermer was the former head coach for the New York Giants. He got fired recently from New York, and he didn't really do a good job. He's not really a good head coach. Not only did he fail with the New York Giants, but he also failed with the Cleveland Browns a couple of years back. But despite him not being a good head coach, he is one of the best offensive coordinators in the NFL. Nobody gets the most out of their quarterback than Pat Shermer. Pat Shermer has an incredible track record with quarterbacks, especially young quarterbacks. When you look at what he did all the way back when he was the offensive coordinator for the St. Louis Rams, now they're known as the Los Angeles Rams, he helped Sam Bradford become offensive rookie of the year. Not only that, but he had a pretty significant turnaround with that St. Louis Rams offense that prior to his arrival of him becoming the offensive coordinator for the St. Louis Rams, they had a pretty lackluster offense. He came in there, he pretty much turned that offense around. Then in 2013 and 2015, he was offensive coordinator for the Philadelphia Eagles under Chip Kelly and... His One of his best jobs was with Nick Foles in 2013. Nick Foles in 2013, not only was he a pro bowler, but he had one of the best touchdown to interception ratios in the history of the NFL, throwing 27 touchdowns and only two interceptions. That's one of the best TD, INT ratios in the history of the NFL. Then, in my opinion, his best job came when he was the offensive coordinator for the Minnesota Vikings in 2017 when the Minnesota Vikings, led by Case Keenum, went to the NFC Championship game that year. And Case Keenum was very proficient under Pat Shermer. He had 3,547 passing yards. He had 22 touchdowns, 7 interceptions. And Pat Shermer ended up being NFL Assistant Coach of the Year in 2017. His work with that Minnesota Vikings 2017 offense with Case Keenum at quarterback was a big reason why he ended up getting that New York Giants job. Now, despite him not really doing a great job with the New York Giants, I feel that he did a really good job with Daniel Jones. And that goes to my point. No, I feel like no... Offensive coordinator gets the most out of young quarterbacks than Pat Shermer. His track record says, look what he did with Sam Bradford his rookie season. Look what he did with Nick Foles his second year in the NFL. He was a pro bowler. Look what he did with Daniel Jones. A lot of people did not expect Daniel Jones to be that good 
last season for the New York Giants. Now, of course, Daniel Jones has a lot of things that he has to work on, but when you think about what was the expectations for Daniel Jones when he first got drafted by the New York Giants, a lot of people were saying that Daniel Jones is going to be a bust. And I'm saying a lot of people, you got to look, man, Pat Sherman's off as a coordinator. He's pretty good with young quarterbacks. And also got to look at this. Daniel Jones played at Duke. If you're able to win at Duke and you're able to win with less talent, I think being able to win with less talent and college football is going to help you be better equipped to play in the NFL because you're going to be used to working with not having a lot of talent. I think that's something that really benefits a lot of young quarterbacks when they come from smaller schools like Daniel Jones coming out of the Duke. That's why I really felt like Daniel Jones was going to have a really solid rookie year and everybody ended up getting on me about it. Everybody said that I was going to be wrong. I didn't know what I was talking about. And then Daniel Jones ends up having a really phenomenal rookie season. So Pat Shermer is really good when it comes to young quarterbacks. And I think this was a big reason why he ended up choosing the offensive coordinator job for the Denver Broncos because I really think that he was... He couldn't really pass up on the opportunity to work with Drew Locke. Like, Drew Locke had a really incredible five-game stretch with the Denver Broncos. They only lost one game, and that was to the defending Super Bowl champions, the Kansas City Chiefs. So, I'm really interested to see what Pat Shermer is going to do with Drew Locke. And what Pat Shermer brings is not only are you getting a guy that's really good and working with young quarterbacks, but you're going to get a guy who, in my opinion, I think is really going to put a pretty strong emphasis on running the football like a lot of people were really shocked at the fact that the Denver Broncos went ahead and they signed Melvin Gordon in free agency and a lot of Broncos fans myself included were like why would they sign Melvin Gordon well a big reason for that is because Pat Sherman is a guy who likes to have a little bit of a two-headed monster at the half-back position now you have that when you have Melvin Gordon and you have Phil Lindsay so he's really going to find ways to get those two guys involved then you also got to look at what he has to work with on the outside he has Corlin Sutton who was a pro bowler last year who should have made the NFL top 100 I don't know how he didn't make the NFL top 100 but whatever do you have Jerry Judy who is one of the best route runners to ever enter the NFL coming out of college then you're also going to have rookie KJ Hamler. You also got Noah Fenton, who was the best rookie tight end last season. And the only question with the Denver Broncos is going to be their offensive line. Now, one of their starting offensive linemen chose to opt out for this upcoming year's NFL season, so that doesn't help their case neither. But overall, I'm really intrigued and really excited about what Pat Shermer brings to the Denver Broncos. What Pat Shermer is bringing as the offensive coordinator for the Denver Broncos, you're getting a guy who is basically a quarterback guru. He gets the most out of every quarterback that he plays with. I mean, look, he got the most out of Case Keenum. Like, Case Keenum was no more than a journeyman before he was the starting quarterback for the Minnesota Vikings. Now, I don't really know if the narrative really changed after that, but a lot of people kind of garnered a little bit more respect for Case Keenum, especially especially considering what he did with that 2017 Minnesota Vikings team, especially with Pat Shermer as the offensive coordinator. So you're getting a guy who, in my opinion, is the definition of a quarterback guru. Like, a lot of people have the tag as the quarterback whisperer, as a quarterback guru, but I don't really see it. They don't really have as good of a track record as Pat Shermer has. So when you look at offensive coordinators in the NFL that have the best resume, Pat Shermer will be in that discussion. It's a big reason why he has been... Uh, NFL head coach twice. He was the head coach for the Cleveland Browns. He was the head coach for the New York Giants. So, I mean, Pat Shermer is going to bring the most out of Drew Locke. And if, if you're a Denver Broncos fan, I mean, hiring offensive coordinator Pat Shermer 
was the best thing that could happen for Drew Locke and his Denver Broncos offense. Now, I don't know what happened with the Denver Broncos offensive coordinator last year, but apparently they figured that Pat Shermer was an upgrade and they brought him in. And I believe that this Denver Broncos offense can be really solid with Pat Shermer calling the plays. Now, my question is, how long is it going to take Pat Shermer and this whole entire Denver Broncos offense to jail because when it comes with a new offensive coordinator, it's kind of a new system and things like that. With the ongoing pandemic, you know, how long is it going to take for the Denver Broncos offense to get that chemistry, get that rhythm, and get that timing going, which is something that really kind of halted Drew Locke um, during his couple of games starting in the NFL. So overall, the Denver Broncos, if you're a Denver Broncos fan, you should be really excited about this Denver Broncos team going into the 2020 NFL season. I mean, you're going to have a great defense. Then you're going to have a really solid offense, especially with Pat Shermer calling the plays. So what you can expect out of Pat Shermer, you can expect the guy that is a really solid play caller, and he's really good at developing young quarterbacks. So, I mean, I'm really excited with what Pat Shermer can do with this Denver Broncos team, and you should be too. So a defense that a lot of people aren't really talking about are the Miami Dolphins. Don't sleep on the Miami Dolphins defense this upcoming NFL season in 2020. Now, when you look at the Miami Dolphins defense, stat-wise, you would say, oh, JT, the Miami Dolphins had a terrible defense in 2019. But if you go back and you were to watch all of the Miami Dolphins games from week one to week 17, you will see how much better that defense got as we progressed through the 2019 NFL season. Now in the offseason, they improved a lot. This is probably the most improved defense heading into the 2020 NFL season. First, you pick up cornerback Byron Jones in free agency who played his first couple of seasons of his NFL career for the Dallas Cowboys. Now you bring him in, and now you have the best cornerback duo in the NFL with him and Xavier Howard. And I say they are the best cornerback duo in the NFL because I can't think of a lot of teams off the top of my head that you can make the argument to say that they have two top 10 cornerbacks on the roster. Now, you can, when you think of teams that have great cornerback tandems, you think of the Pittsburgh Steelers with Joe Hayden and Steven Nelson. You think of the New England Patriots. You think of Casey Hayward and Chris Harris Jr. with the LA Chargers. You think of the Baltimore Ravens, Marlon Humphrey, and Marcus Peters. But I don't know if any of those teams have two top 10 cornerbacks on the roster other than the Miami Dolphins. Then you also draft rookie corner out of Auburn, Noah Igbonogany. Noah Igbonogany. Now you got a pretty good cornerback tandem for the Miami Dolphins. So not only do you have one of the best cornerback groups in the NFL, but you also improve your linebacking crop. You bring in Calvin Noy. From the New England Patriots. Now you pair him up with a pretty solid linebacker group. You have Raquan McMillan. You have Jerome Baker. And I think Calvin Noy fits in very well. Then when it comes to being able to rush the quarterback. You bring in defensive end Shaq Lawson. Who had six and a half sacks with the Buffalo Bills last season. And I think that Shaq Lawson has a lot of untapped potential. I think that Shaq Lawson has potential to be an eight maybe a non-sack guy for the Miami Dolphins. 
Then you also bring in Emmanuel Ogba, who played for the Kansas City Chiefs the previous season, won the Super Bowl. He had five and a half sacks last season, but he missed a lot of games for the Kansas City Chiefs last year due to injury. So if Emmanuel Ogba is able to stay fully healthy and play a full 16-game season, he could potentially end up being the guy who has nine or ten sacks himself. So you got Shaq Lawson, you're going to have Emmanuel Ogba, you still have Christian Wilkins, who didn't really have all that great of a rookie season when it comes to being able to get after the quarterback. I thought he was pretty formidable stopping the run, but he didn't really do all that much when it came to his ability to get after the quarterback. So I'm expecting a little bit more out of him going into year two of his NFL career. But the guy who I'm most excited about, who a lot of you guys need to keep tabs on, is rookie Curtis Weaver from Boise State. Now, for those of you guys who didn't listen to my NFL Draft podcast or didn't watch any of my NFL Draft content on YouTube, I was really high on Curtis Weaver. I believe that he was the biggest sleeper in this past year's 2020 NFL Draft out of Boise State. This dude is an animal. And the previous season in 2019, I said the same thing about Max Crosby. And Max Crosby ended up having a 10-sack season in his rookie year with the now-named Las Vegas Raiders. And I'm going to be honest, I wasn't even expecting Max Crosby to be that good. I knew he was probably going to be a guy who probably would have five, six sacks his rookie season. But 10 sacks, I was not expecting that. And I think Curtis Weaver could be a guy who could have a similar story like a Max Crosby. He's a guy who comes from a group of five school. He played for Boise State. Didn't really get a lot of national recognition. And I think Curtis Weaver is a guy who could have a really solid rookie season for this Miami Dolphins defense. I think he's going to be a guy who, without a doubt in my head, is going to be a guy who, in the future, is going to be a guy who probably could have 10 or more sacks consistently. So, I mean, this Miami Dolphins defense has a lot of talent. You have arguably the best cornerback tandem in the NFL with Xavier Howard, with Byron Jones, and a lot of people call Byron Jones overrated. And a lot of people call Byron Jones overrated for the fact that he doesn't have a lot of interceptions. And I get that. When you judge a cornerback, most of the time people judge how good a cornerback is by how many pass deflections he has and how many interceptions he has. But Byron Jones is a guy who doesn't really have a lot of interceptions because he doesn't really get targeted all that much. And when he does, he doesn't really come down with the ball that much. So Byron Jones, you can make the case that he isn't really overrated. If anything, I think he's one of the best cornerbacks in the NFL, which is why I consider him a top 10 cornerback, because he doesn't get targeted all that often, in my opinion, based on when I watched the Dallas Cowboys. So for all you guys are saying Byron Jones is overrated because look at his interception numbers, sometimes you got to think and sometimes you got to look at things past his stats. Sometimes you got to look and consider how often is that cornerback being targeted. If that cornerback isn't getting targeted a lot and the cornerback like Byron Jones only gets targeted like four times a game, you're not really going to have all that many chances to get your hands on a lot of passes for interceptions or pass deflections. But Byron Jones is a really good cornerback. In my opinion, like I said, he's a top 10 cornerback. Then you got Xavier Howard, who made the Pro Bowl a year back. So, I mean, this is a really talented Miami Dolphins defense. Now, a question that I have when it comes to this Miami Dolphins defense, because every defense has a weakness. I have a question mark about the safety group for the Miami Dolphins. You got Eric Rowe and you got Bobby McCain. Now, I want to see who's going to end up stepping up at safety. 
Now, I would have liked for them to kind of bring in a marquee free agent, maybe like an Eric Berry, maybe. But, I mean, I think their safety grew. I'm not saying that it's terrible or anything like that. I'm just saying if I had to choose a weakness of the Miami Dolphins defense, what was the weakest part of this defense that I think going in to this upcoming NFL season is for the Dolphins, I think it has to be their safe position. And that's not because I think it's bad. It's just that I think that that's probably the weak link that they have on the defense side of football. But it's not bad by any stretch of the imagination. I'm just saying that I think the safety position is probably the weakest link on this defense heading into this season. But like I said, overall, this is a defense that has a lot of young players, in my opinion, Probably this may be one of the youngest defenses in the NFL. You got rid of Rashard Jones, who was pretty much one of the oldest players on that Dolphins defense. And you have a lot of young, you got a a lot of young talent on the defense side of the ball for the Miami Dolphins. I don't really think they have a lot of players on this defense that are actually going to be starting that's over 30. So, I mean, that's a good sign. So, I think Brian Flores is going to end up having a really good defense with this Miami Dolphins team. And this Miami Dolphins defense probably could be top 10. If not top 10, I think they should be a top 12 defense in the NFL. You got a lot of young talent. You got young edge rushers like Shaq Lawson. You got Emmanuel Ogba, who, like I said, is a guy who could probably have nine, eight sacks if he stays healthy. Now, will Christian Wilkins be able to step up? I don't know. I really was expecting a little bit more out of Christian Wilkins. I wasn't expecting an incredible season out of Christian Wilkins, but I was expecting kind of like a five-sack season out of him as rookie because Christian Wilkins is a guy who has a lot of athleticism. Like, when he was playing for Clemson, like, this guy was lined up in all kinds of formations, tight end sometimes, fullback, and the spring game, he even lined up at cornerback for one snap. So, I mean, this is a guy who has a lot of athleticism. It's all about can he put that athleticism together and develop some pass rushing moves and making some... Um, big plays when it comes to being able to rush the passers for the Miami Dolphins. But I mean, I don't think Christian Wilkins was all that bad his rookie season. I thought that he was really formidable against the run. So I mean, this is a young Miami Dolphins defense that I think a lot of people aren't really talking about. A lot of people still keep talking about the same defenses that were good last year. But I mean, look, it's harder to maintain elite top 10 defense for a long period of time like it's easier to maintain a top 10 offense for a decade but it's hard to maintain a top 10 defense for a decade in fact most of the time when you got teams that have good defenses most of the time they're good because of one they're young and plus they have a lot of young players that are rookie deals So, I mean, it's really hard to keep a young, good defense in the NFL. But I think the Miami Dolphins, with all of the young guys that they were able to bring in in free agency, I think this is not only a defense that will be good this season, but I think this is going to be an elite defense for the next four to five years to come. So, I'm really excited about this Miami Dolphins defense. And I'm telling you guys watching this, if you're watching this on YouTube or you're listening to this on the podcast, that don't sleep on this Miami Dolphins defense. Because this Miami Dolphins defense, is going to be a lot better than what a lot of people think. Let's go ahead and move on to America's team, the Dallas Cowboys. What are the expectations for new Dallas Cowboys head coach, Mike McCarthy? Now, Mike McCarthy was hired to be the new head coach for the Dallas Cowboys after they parted ways with Jason Garrett, who is now the offensive coordinator for the New York Giants. And Mike McCarthy... Is a really interesting story. A lot of people aren't talking about Mike McCarthy's story, but I'm a guy 
who loves to get behind a good story. And Mike McCarthy is kind of in a redemption story because this was a guy who spent a very long time as the head coach for the Green Bay Packers. And things kind of ran this course. And I believe the reason why Mike McCarthy ended up getting released or parting ways with the Green Bay Packers was because he got too overly reliant on Aaron Rodgers, similar to Bill O'Brien with Deshaun Watson. At first, initially, when the Green Bay Packers first went won the Super Bowl under Mike McCarthy, and Mike McCarthy got his first ring with the Packers back in 2010, the Green Bay Packers were a balanced team. It wasn't all on Aaron Rodgers. And Aaron Rodgers didn't have to carry the Green Bay Packers on his back. He had a solid run game, and he had a really good defense. But after that 2010 Super Bowl team, the Green Bay Packers had a lack of running game, and they didn't have a great defense. And I feel like this Green Bay Packers organization, on top of Mike McCarthy, got too overly reliant on Aaron Rodgers and was saying, hey, Aaron, we're going to go ahead and give you the keys, and we need you to go ahead and carry us. And I feel like Mike McCarthy kind of got a little bit lazy. Now, I'm not saying Mike McCarthy was all entirely lazy and things like that, but I'm just saying I just feel like he got too overly reliant on Aaron Rodgers. And you can tell because Aaron Rodgers had a lot of power, which is why the rumors started circulating and all of the articles came out about them having a power struggle between him and Aaron Rodgers and Green Bay. And that was because Mike McCarthy gave Aaron Rodgers so much power because he simply just got a little bit too over-reliant on Aaron Rodgers. So I believe that Mike McCarthy still has what it takes to be a good coach in the NFL. I just believe that he kind of had a relationship that kind of went sour in Green Bay, and they ran his course, and now he needed a fresh start. And a good thing about this is that Mike McCarthy had the whole entire 2019 season to, you know, take a break, take a year off, look at himself in the mirror, and reinvent himself. So I'm expecting Mike McCarthy to have a new innovative offense and the thing about Mike McCarthy also was that his offense in Green Bay was kind of vanilla it was kind of too old school for the modern day style of the NFL game so I'm wondering if Mike McCarthy is going to adapt his offense to give some more modern day looks to what the current NFL is going into now with more spread oriented attacks and things like that and when you look at what team Mike McCarthy has Mike McCarthy has a really good Dallas Cowboys team that unlike most head coaches, when they get hired by an NFL team, they're taking over an NFL team that doesn't have a lot of talent. But Mike McCarthy has a lot of talent on this Dallas Cowboys roster that is good enough to win right now, especially on the offensive side of football. On the offensive side of football last year, this was stats-wise the best offense in the NFL or one of the best offenses in the NFL statistically. And I'm really glad that he decided to bring back offensive coordinator Kellen Moore because I felt like Kellen Moore was more of a scapegoat for just Jason Garrett because it seemed like a lot of people always tried to place the blame on the offensive coordinator that was Kellen Moore who was in his first year calling plays for the Dallas Cowboys. And I felt like he got thrown under the bus too much and I felt like he was just more of Jason Garrett's scapegoat instead of just manning up and taking the criticism. So I'm really glad that Mike McCarthy recognized the potential and talent that Kellen Moore actually has when it comes to calling plays for the Dallas Cowboys. So I'm really glad that he brought back Kellen 
Kellen Moore as offensive coordinator. I think Kellen Moore year two with that Prescott is going to flourish. I think that this is a Dallas Cowboys team that's probably one of the more talented offenses in the NFL, probably top five and talent on the offensive standpoint. When you look at this receiving group, you have Amari Cooper, who is a really good wide receiver. You got Michael Gallup who had a really nice second year in the NFL. Then you also pick up C.D. Lamb in this year's NFL draft. So you have probably one of the best wide receiving trios in the NFL. Then you still have one of the best offensive lines in the NFL. So, I mean, Mike McCarthy has a really good offense to work with. Not to, not to forget, you had Ezekiel Elliott, who rushed for 1,400 yards last season. So, I mean, Mike McCarthy has a lot of talent to work with on offense. He doesn't have to worry about not having a lot of good receivers. He's not going to have to worry about offensive line struggles. You got a more than capable quarterback in that Prescott who is playing on the franchise tag this year. He's looking to prove to the Dallas Cowboys or to the rest of the NFL that he has what it takes to be the highest paid quarterback in the NFL or one of the highest paid quarterbacks in the NFL. So, I mean... Mike McCarthy has all the tools in Dallas to be successful on offense. Now, when it comes to the Dallas Cowboys on the defense side of football, I still think this defense is pretty solid. Now, I have some questions about how that secondary is going to look because they lost a couple of key guys. You lost safety Jeff Heath. You lost Byron Jones. So you're going to have some young guys stepping in to replace those guys like Trayvon Diggs, the rookie cornerback out of Alabama. So, I mean, you still got the Marcus Lawrence. You still got one of the best linebackers crops in the NFL with Jalen Smith, with Leighton Vanderess. So, I mean, this is a Dallas Cowboys team that has some talent on the defensive side of the football. I think the best part of their defense is going to be the front seven, and pretty much their question mark, in my opinion, is going to be how would that secondary hold up. But Mike McCarthy has all the tools in Dallas to win. Not only that, but you're playing in a pretty weak division. Like, This is a division in the NFC East that hasn't had a back-to-back division champion in a very long time. And you're looking at teams like the Washington football team that's kind of looking to prove themselves, even though I think they're going to be a little bit better than what a lot of people think in year one under Ron Rivera. You got the New York Giants who don't really have a lot of talent on the defense side of football, but you do have a promising young quarterback in Daniel Jones. But I mean, you got a pretty easy division to win. The only competition really in your division is probably going to be the Philadelphia Eagles. Now, the Washington Redskins or the Washington football team, excuse me, may push you, but overall, I think the Dallas Cowboys have a good enough team that they could win that division. So, I mean, when you look at Mike McCarthy, he has all the keys to be successful. If you ask me, he has a more easier time to win games in Dallas than he does in Green Bay because I don't recall Green Bay having as talented as a team under Mark McCarthy after 2010 as the Dallas Cowboys have heading into 2020. So, I mean, Mark McCarthy, my expectations for the Dallas Cowboys and Mark McCarthy this year is to make the playoffs. Now, I know that the Dallas Cowboys are going to be learning a new system. They're going to be learning Mike McCarthy's new system. And that might be a little bit of a challenge because of the ongoing pandemic. And they're not really going to have a lot of practice time. They're basically only going to have one month to get ready and know as much of the playbook as they can come week one. But I think if you're Mike McCarthy, I mean, if you're a solid coach, you should be able to have your team ready at to the best of your ability to win some games 
despite not knowing maybe 100% of the playbook or something like that. So, I mean, Mark McCarthy, my expectation for Mark McCarthy and Dallas Cowboys year one is to make the playoffs. And I'm pretty sure Dallas Cowboy fans have pretty high expectations for the Dallas Cowboys themselves because when you look at the Dallas Cowboys, what kept the Dallas Cowboys from making the playoffs? A lot of Dallas Cowboys fans would say it was pretty much 80% coaching or pretty much 90% coaching. And Jason Garrett made a lot of questionable decisions. He made a lot of questionable play calling. So, I mean, I'm really interested to see what Mike McCarthy is going to do with the Dallas Cowboys this season. I think Mike McCarthy is one of the more interesting stories to watch this upcoming season. Like, if you're a fan of stories in the NFL and you need somebody to root for, root for Mike McCarthy. Like, I know a lot of people don't like rooting for the Dallas Cowboys because America hates the Dallas Cowboys. But, I mean, don't root for the team. Root for Mike McCarthy because this is a guy who is looking to redeem himself. You got to think. Mike McCarthy... Watch the Green Bay Packers, a team that chose to get rid of them, go 13-3 and and make it to the NFC Conference Championship game without him. So imagine how that made him feel. So imagine how motivated Mark McCarthy is going to be. This is a redemption story. So, I mean, I was expecting Mark McCarthy to get this Dallas Cowboys team to the playoffs. I know you're going to have a little bit of a shaky start because of the pandemic and players still learn your system. But regardless, if you're a new coach, you're a new coach. Have these guys ready to play week one. And I believe that Mark McCarthy should be able to get this Dallas Cowboys team to the playoffs this season. If he doesn't get this Dallas Cowboys team to the playoffs this season, I will consider the 2020 NFL season a disappointment for the Dallas Cowboys this year, considering how much talent they have. All they really need is a good coach. Is Joe Burrow going to be able to turn around this Cincinnati Bengals organization? And this is a video that I should have made a couple of months ago after the draft, but I'm just now getting to it now. You know what they say, it's better late than never. But I do think that Joe Burrow is going to be able to turn around the Cincinnati Bengals organization. And I think a lot of people are just, you know, just overrating this whole entire thing. Like a lot of people keep saying that Joe Burrow's career is going to die in Cincinnati. Cincinnati's going to waste all his talent and things like that. I don't think that's going to happen. People act like the Cincinnati Bengals are worse than the Cleveland Browns or the New York Jets. Compare, think about what the Cincinnati Bengals organization has did this past decade from 2010 to 2020. Where will you rank the Cincinnati Bengals organization based on what they did this past decade? We're not talking about all time. We're just talking about strictly based on from 2010 to 2020 right now. Where will you rank them? I will rank them in the middle of the pack. Because like most teams, they have had success when they've been able to make it to the playoffs, but they just weren't able to win those big playoff games. But the Cincinnati Bengals had a pretty solid stretch when they were consistently in the playoffs. So, I mean, a lot of people keep them keep making them out to be, like, worse than the Jets, worse than the Browns. I know they're not. Now, are the Bengals a great organization? No, but I don't think they're as bad as people are making them out to be. They just had a couple of bad seasons. So, I mean, I think that Joe Burrow, as number one pick, you got to have a couple of characteristics. Not only do you have to be a phenomenal talent, but you also got to be able to overcome having a dysfunctional having a dysfunctional organization, having a dysfunctional front office, having a not so great coaching staff. 
as unfair as it may seem, those are the expectations that comes with being a quarterback that's taken in the top five or the top 10. You have to be able to overcome certain, you know, things that other guys like Lamar Jackson that get drafted in the later rounds of the first round or in the rounds two and three don't have to overcome because those quarterbacks get drafted to great organizations. But when you are a high draft pick and you get drafted as a quarterback to a bad team that hasn't been great for years, you have to be able to overcome that. As unfair as it is, that's just what comes with being the top five or top 10 draft pick as a quarterback. Look at Sam Darnold. As unfair as the situation he's in with the New York Jets, he has to be able to overcome that. Same thing with Baker Mayfield. That's just the expectations that comes with being a number one overall pick. And I mean, look, Joe Burrow's career, I don't think it's going to get wasted in Cincinnati. I think Cincinnati has a very good group of young talent. I really like the talent that they have on the roster, especially on offense at the skill position. All they need to improve is the offensive line, and the defense should come around as well. So, I mean... I think that Cincinnati, with Joe Burrow at the helm at quarterback, is going to be a respectable franchise in the next couple of years. Now, are they going to be able to win the Super Bowl? That remains to be decided. Because Joe Burrow, regardless of how great he may become, he won't be able to carry the Cincinnati Bengals to the Super Bowl by himself. He's going to have a he's going to have to have a good coach to win the Super Bowl. You see, it's a reason why. You don't have to have a good quarterback to win the Super Bowl, but you got to have a elite coach to win the Super Bowl. You see, it doesn't matter how great of a player you are. You got to have a good coaching staff, and you got to have a good coach if you want to win the Super Bowl. Look at Matthew Stafford. Look at Deshaun Watson. Deshaun Watson has been carrying the Houston Texans on his back ever since he got drafted there as a rookie. Look at Matthew Stafford. He's basically been carrying the Detroit Lions on his back ever since he was number one overall pick there um, like near a decade ago. So, I mean, neither one of those quarterbacks have been able to win in the playoffs because once you get in the playoffs, it comes down to coaching. And the Bengals, the question remains to be seen, is Zach Taylor going to be the guy who can end up becoming a great coach and getting the Cincinnati Bengals to the Super Bowl? That is the question. So, can Joe Burrow turn around the Cincinnati Bengals franchise? Yes, he can. I don't think the Bengals are necessarily going to, you know, ruin his career like a lot of people say that they are. Because when you think about it, the Bengals, what they did this past decade, they were pretty solid. I mean, they had, you know, the last couple of seasons they had have been pretty down. But I mean, for the most part of this past decade, they were pretty solid to a point that they were always in the playoffs. They just couldn't win in the playoffs. And I mean, Marvin Lewis was a solid coach, but he just wasn't a great enough coach to be able to win in the playoffs. And I mean, even then, when you look back at 2015, Marvin Lewis should have had his first playoff win there, but it didn't happen because of the dumb penalty and the late hit by Vontez Burfitt. If that never happened, the Bengals would have won that game against the Steelers in the wild card, and they would have won the playoff game. So, I mean, the Bengals aren't necessarily just this god-awful organization that players just go to to die. It's more worse organizations than the Cincinnati Bengals, like the Raiders, the Dolphins, even though they're now having to turn around, the Jets, the Browns, the Jaguars. So, I mean, it's organizations that are way worse than the Cincinnati Bengals. So, I think that Joe Burrow can turn around this Bengals team, and I think that he can get them to the playoffs. And a lot of you guys got to look at it like this. What is going to be the future of the AFC North when Joe Burrow hits his prime? 
when he finally develops into a top 10 or top 5 quarterback, what is the AFC North going to look like? The Steelers, you know, they have a couple of guys that are in contract years. Cam Hayward's in the contract year. You got Bud Dupree that's in the contract year. You got Ben Rosberger that's Asian. James Conner, Juice Mishusha, they all have contract years. You have a Steelers roster that's getting up there in age. How long are they going to be good for? What about the Baltimore Ravens? The Baltimore Ravens are good right now, and they're able to bring in a lot of key players that they need to bring in because of Lamar Jackson playing on a rookie deal. But Lamar Jackson only has like a year or two left on his contract until he asks for a new deal. And trust me, Lamar Jackson is going to cash out. And when he cash out, that's basically going to cripple the Baltimore Ravens cap-wise to the fact that they're not going to be able to bring in star players consistently year in and year out. Then the Cleveland Browns. I think the Cleveland Browns with their new head coach and the new front office that they have with Kevin Stefanski, I think they're going to be the equivalent to the Minnesota Vikings. Like They're going to have some good seasons that they make the playoffs and they're going to have some really good years, but they're also going to have some bad years as well. So I think they're going to be really inconsistent. I think they're going to have some success, but they're not going to be able to sustain that success. So the AFC North could look very different in the next coming years or so. So, I mean... I think Joe Burrow is going to be able to get the Cincinnati Bengals to the playoffs and make them a playoff contender. But will they be a Super Bowl contender? That remains to be decided. It all depends on how good this front office is going to be and how good this coaching staff will be. But the narrative that people think that Joe Burrow is just going to die in Cincinnati, he's not going to be able to turn around the Cincinnati Bengals, I don't think that's going to happen because Cincinnati needed Joe Burrow. Joe Burrow is a good leader. He's going to be able to overcome the shortcomings in that front office. He's going to be able to overcome the dysfunctionality in Cincinnati. And I think that he's going to be a really great player in the NFL. So I think that Joe Burrow can turn around the Cincinnati Bengals. I just think that a lot of people just, you know, wanted, you know, or just looking for a good story or things like that. Like they're just looking for something to talk about. I don't think the Bengals are just going to ruin Joe Burrow and Joe Burrow's career is going to die in Cincinnati. I mean, look at Houston. Deshaun Watson has been carrying the Texans on his back ever since he got there. So, I mean, even if the Bengals don't have that great of a coaching staff and maybe they don't have that great of an organization, Joe Burrow, I think, is going to be good enough that he can be able to carry the Cincinnati Bengals for a couple of years or so, maybe two or three, four years to the playoffs. So, I mean, I don't necessarily think that Joe Burrow is just going to fail in Cincinnati like a lot of people think that he is. Now, for my last topic, I want to talk about John Franklin III. Now, for a lot of you guys who aren't familiar with who John Franklin III is, John Franklin was the star of Last Chance U, the original Last Chance U with EMCC. Now, he played for Auburn after he left, and he also transferred to Florida Atlantic before signing with the Chicago Bears as an undrafted free agent. Now, during his time in college, he did a lot of things. He was really versatile. Like, he started out after he transferred from EMCC. After last chance, you he went to Auburn. He started out as a quarterback. He didn't really get a lot of playing time there, so he switched his position to wide receiver. Then after that, he transferred to Florida Atlantic when he basically was just an all-around player. He just was a gadget player for FAU. Then he went undrafted in 2018, and got signed by the Chicago Bears. And when he got picked up as an undrafted free agent by the Chicago Bears, they ended up moving him to defensive back. 
Then he, for the 2018 year, he was waived, then brought back, and waived and brought back, and was on their practice squad for basically the whole entire year. Then in 2019, he got released by the Chicago Bears. Then he signed to the Buccaneers practice squad. And then in December, the Buccaneers moved him up to the active roster as a wide receiver. Now, I think that John Franklin III could be the next Taysom Hill for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And here's why. So I came across this interesting article about what John Franklin's role with Tampa Bay could be. And this article says it is by Pro Football Talk, NBCSports.com. And a key quote that I saw from this article, which has led to me thinking that maybe John Franklin III could be the next Taysom Hill, is because of what Bruce Arians said in this article. It said that Buccaneers coach Bruce Arians said of Franklin what all coaches seem to say about him. He is a phenomenal athlete, but he needs to find a way to contribute on the field. He's one of those guys who has so much talent and athletic ability. You're trying to find a place for him, Arians said, via Rick Strahd of the Tampa Bay Times. We ran that little Wildcat package with him, and he did a great job with it. He can throw. Now he's coming in as a wide receiver, so he'll be in the offensive rooms. He could possibly give us a third quarterback on Sunday with his ability. So he's got a lot of options, and it's up to him to make the ball club as a wideout. So Bruce Arians basically said that John Franklin is a guy who If he makes the roster, he's going to have to make the roster as a wide receiver. If he makes the roster, they're not going to let his talent, his athleticism go to waste. They're going to find ways to get him involved in this offense. And when you think of what John Franklin is able to do, he's able to play quarterback. He's able to line up as a wide receiver. I think that Bruce Arians, if John Franklin makes the roster as a wide receiver, he's going to find a lot of creative ways to get John Franklin involved in San Bay Buccaneers offense because you just can't, you know, let that kind of talent, that kind of athleticism go to waste. Like, I'm pretty sure he's also going to have a role on special teams as well. And that's why I think he could kind of be the next Taysom Hill. Now, he doesn't have, you know, the physical attributes of Mason Hill. He doesn't have the size and things like that. But he does have a lot more athleticism than Taysom Hill. He has great speed. He has great agility as well. And with his background as a quarterback, Tampa Bay could use him in, like, wildcat situations. Like, you can line him up as a wide receiver, which is what he's trying to make the roster as. Maybe you line him up in the backfield for a couple of plays. Maybe you can, you know, kind of figure out a couple of trick plays to get him involved. But based on that article that I just read, I'm going to link it down in the description down below if you're watching this on YouTube so you can read it for yourself. I think that Bruce Arians sees that kind of potential for John Franklin to the fact that he can contribute everywhere. He said in the article, he said that you can let a guy with that kind of phenomenal athleticism and athletic ability just go to waste. Like you got to find a way to get him involved some way to somehow. So, I mean, he can contribute on special teams. He can, you know, he's going to be lined up as a wide receiver, wildcat situations. I don't know. I just think that this is a really interesting situation to monitor. And based on what Bruce Aaron said in this article, I think that John Franklin could be the next Taysom Hill if everything goes to plan. Based on everything that Bruce Arians said in this roster, he wants John Franklin to not only make the team, but he wants to give him a solid role to play 
with the Tempe Buccaneers team. He just doesn't want John Franklin just sitting on the bench, just, you know, not utilizing his athleticism. So I don't know. You guys let me know what you guys think about this. Do you guys think that Tate, do you guys think that John Franklin the third could be the next Tate Sam Hill? I don't know. I'm just throwing it out there. I'm not saying that it's going to happen. I'm just saying that it could happen. It was just a really interesting article that I came about, and I really felt about making a topic and making a video about this. So this is it for episode eight of the JT Sports Podcast. I appreciate you guys for watching. Once again, make sure that you guys go ahead and leave a five-star review on the JT Sports Podcast. If you're watching this on Apple, Spotify, wherever you go to watch your podcast or listen to your podcast, also make sure to subscribe to my YouTube channel, which is JT Sports. Also make sure to follow me on Instagram and Twitter. My Instagram and my Twitter is both JT Sports underscore. You also can go ahead and follow those by clicking the show notes. And I appreciate you guys for watching and be safe. Thanks for listening.